Welcome everyone to Phone Show Chat Podcast 788, recording this on Saturday the 10th of February 2024. A very happy new year to you, Mr. Ben Wood, our guest. Thank you very much. Same to you, Ted uh, and or Steve. Thank you for having me along. It's far too late for Happy New Year's. Is it? Yeah, maybe it is. I think it might be. Yeah, we're 10th of February. Should we go again? <laughs> our chuckling co-host there is Mr. Ted Salmon. How are you doing? Okay, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Very well at the moment, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, uh, talking of Ted and myself, just say so you can buy us beers and coffee. See the links in the show notes. There are no mattress ads or manscaping or other ridiculous ways to waste time on podcasts. So send us <laughs> beers and coffees. It's just the way to go. SteveLitchfield.com for the show notes. And Ben, where can people find you online, ideally? Well, I, I, historically, I've always said Twitter or X or whatever we call it today, but I've rather gone off that a bit. So um, LinkedIn is a place where I'm interacting a lot now. So you can find me there, Ben Wood at LinkedIn, or on the Mobile Phone Museum website. And you do browse MeWe occasionally? I do from time to time. I dip in and out. Uh, sometimes uh, I get drawn in, and it's one of those platforms that once you're into it, it, uh, it, it certainly becomes quite addictive. But I haven't had a snoop around for a while okay how's your mobile phone museum going well it's come on quite a bit since we last spoke which is quite exciting so um i remember i teased the listeners that we were going to do something and actually have a physical museum opening and since i last spoke to you that has happened so we have opened a pop-up physical museum at the pk porth museum of communications in cornwall i don't know whether Either you or Ted have ever been there, Steve. It's a wonderful place to go. Uh, and it's a great fit um, for the Mobile Phone Museum because it has such a rich history in the UK, right back to the first undersea cables that came into the UK in the 1870s, which, uh, believe it or not, were put in there to connect uh, the UK with the Empire and India. Wow. Um, and uh, we've been talking to them for quite some time. They've got a flexible exhibition space down there. And we put on a tremendous showcase with about 70 of the most significant handsets in the collection. There's a whole wall of them all uh, kind of behind Perspex. You can have a lovely picture with them. There's lots of other things, a a giant um, uh, lobster phone. Some people will remember that, the TV phone that Virgin Mobile had showing videos, uh, timelines on the story of mobile phones and everything. Uh, And that's going to be there till at least October 2024. And uh, listeners can look in the show notes. There'll be a link to the museum and a link to the blog post about uh, um, the uh, the launch of the Going Mobile exhibition. I went to Porth Curnow 52 years ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Were you there for some training? I was there for a holiday, but um, there we are. A long, long time ago, way pre-technology. But I'm glad to, to see it's going well and you're getting some visitor numbers up. Although I don't expect to get much casual MeWe and PSC viewers, given it's right on the extremity of the UK. It's a long way to go. But uh, there you've got the um, uh, Minnick Theatre next door for any of the more cultured listeners who uh, might be going down there. So if you are down in Cornwall, great place to visit. Um, but hopefully one day we'll get something closer uh, to home and uh, make it easier for people to go. But it's a great start, and we've learned a lot about what it takes to put on an exhibition. Jolly good. And you're up to 2,750 unique devices on your site, which is very exciting. Yes, it is. That's more than 500 than we had kind of two years ago. Uh, yeah. And it's all done, you know, evenings and weekends. We we plod away at it. Um, I really am. I've got my eyes set on that 3,000 unique devices milestone. We've got a lot of devices that still haven't been logged. So I think we can get there. 
Uh, and we've been investing, uh, you know, we've talked about it in the past, the challenge of getting all the photography done. But we've been investing in that very heavily over the last few months. We've added several hundred more um, pictures to go with the phones and uh, a couple of the wonderful devices you donated, Steve. So there's now all the photography for the iconic Marshall London phone Yay. and the uh, Samsung G810. So yeah. you can go and have a look at those. The uh, links again in the show notes. Do you cover new devices? In other words, let's say a device gets launched now. At what point does it become eligible for going in the museum? At what point do you acquire it for the museum? One year, two years, three years? When does it become museum worthy? It's a it's a really good question, actually. I, I think uh, we recently added. Um, now, I think you'll know this, Steve. There was the new Nokia phone from HMD Global, which was a limited edition device, and they ran a limited edition of about 50 units. I can't remember the exact number, um, but um, that was a device that was gifted to the museum. We did a little blog post about it. Okay. So that's probably the newest one that's gone in. Um, I have to say my enthusiasm for the kind of post iPhone era phones yeah, with slabs. just the black yeah. slabs is yeah. not as strong because they're just not visually as engaging. But of course, foldables is now adding a whole new <laughs> dimension in terms of uh, design diversity. So that's a good uh, catalyst to add some new phones in. Yeah. So in 2035, people looking back and they say, yes, and we've got some of the, the folding phones from 10 years ago <laughs> and that, that weird fad and that they're in the museum. Yeah. Oh, let's see where that goes. But uh, I have to say, I, I, I share some of your scepticism. <laughs> Did you ever have an answer to my question about what happens about older phones and sealed batteries and batteries swelling? Has there only been developments in that front or any decisions made? Uh, not really. I mean, from our perspective, if the batteries are still in good shape, we keep them. If they show any signs of deterioration, we get rid of them. The phones in the museum are largely about the physical design of the museum rather than the software on them. So we don't sweat it over, you know, whether they will power up over time, they'll deteriorate anyway. Um, so the batteries are a kind of hit and miss. Obviously, the phones with integrated batteries can be a bit of a problem because if they swell up, they can yeah. damage the housing of the phone. So we try and get those out before that happens. Um, but um, no, there's not a real answer to that. The biggest scourge is the awful um, soft touch plastic finish on these devices. Oh, I don't know whether yeah, you've got yeah. any of the nice sticky ones in your collection anywhere. It's yeah. very, very depressing when that happens. Yeah, I've got a Samsung Galaxy K Zoom, which was a glorious rubberized grippy housing back in the day. And I had to literally throw it away. It was just put, putting gunk onto everything it touched. Yeah, I haven't found a solution to that. I did wonder about whether you could varnish them or something, but uh, I haven't got to the bottom of it yet. Something to do with vulcanization and rubber. And I did look it up once, and it's apparently it's, it's a natural deterioration process for that material. And you kind of have to factor it in. But it's a real shame for people who like and prize older devices, because this is happening six, seven, eight years after launch, which is exactly is. when you want to be prizing them and fondling them, and you can't fondle them anymore. So a, a lot of the Motorola phones succumbed to it. They were very, very partial to that soft-touch finish, and so they've been real victims. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have any of these rubberized finishes, um, Ted, where devices have become unusably sticky? No, not personally, but then I don't probably keep phones long enough for that to be the case. Um, I, I, I do remember the rubberized back on the some of the Moto Mods, however. I don't know if you've got any of those, Ben, in the museum. I, every time I look at what's in the museum and what few devices I've got, you, you seem to have all the ones already, um, and I don't need to send you any, but... Um, the Moto Mods, um, if you've got a full set set of those, that would be really worth having in the museum, I think. 
We have quite a lot of them. Um, I do need to do an audit on it, actually. I think there's a couple we're missing. Certainly, we've got the, the wonderful Hasselblad camera, because I just love the idea of it. We've got one of the game controllers, speaker, double battery pack. Um, yep. But you can pick them all up on eBay, so I just really need to work out what we're missing. Right. They're getting cheaper yeah. and cheaper. But the, but some of the rubber on the back of those, some of those backs, they're really, really good. And I had one one power, turbo power power pack for the back of my um z play 2 i think it was and uh, all the time i had it i never had any of that stickiness steve no yeah is it practical guys to go shopping on ebay for um, one of these moto z models and moto mods and have fun with them in 2024 ted do you think they might still work we should ask tim evans um tim evans bought my pack the whole set off me a couple of years back i think and he's last time i spoke to him about it he said that um everything was working fine obviously it's not getting any support or anything yeah. but the, the all the mods are working the phone that I, I i sent him is working as well and it, it's all kind of dandy for him i think he put um in the end i've got a feeling he put lineage on it um but uh yeah it's still going oh tim if you're still using those i've still got them and we'd Get in touch. Maybe uh, Ted and I, or we'll certainly have a chat with you, but maybe we could play with them again. I have a just sudden urge, Ted, to be playing with Moto Mods <laughs> in 2024, and I can't work out what's wrong with me. He's very he's very attached to them. He might right. have trouble. We'll just chat to him <laughs> on air then. Tim, come on the show again, and we'll we'll find out how the, your beloved Moto Mod collection is getting on in the current day. Um, did you go to CES, Ben? I didn't. I've somewhat given up on CES, if I'm, I'm honest, Steve. I've, I've got to the point that it's just not the phone show it used to be. Um, and even some of the other stuff that I look at and kind of connected devices, there's not so much there. Um, the key highlight this year seemed to be these transparent TVs from LG uh, and oh, Samsung. Yeah. I, I Goodness knows why you would want one. But uh, <laughs> they seem to be the eye candy in terms of technology at the uh, um, at the show. But I did, you know, talking of events, I did get to the um, Galaxy S24 series launch in London. So there was an event in San Jose. But quite frankly, I really couldn't justify flying all the way out there to watch something here. So they had a lovely event down in in uh, by the O2 uh, and a really spectacular drone show as well. Um, I've put some pictures uh, in, in the show notes here. You can share them with the audience if you like of, of the drones. It was a, a super evening. Do they ever lose drones? This is totally off topic, but given you've got something like 150 drones spelling out Samsung Galaxy S24 in the sky and then zooming in between each other and doing intricate movements and manoeuvres, surely at some point one, a couple of them collide or go wrong or fall out of the sky because they bust a propeller. Do you any any feel for how reliable these things are? I don't know, but I've seen this technology evolve. I remember seeing it in the very early days when right. Intel were pioneering it. Um, the there's a lot of safety considerations around it whether they lose drones or not i don't know but i do know um, that they had to close the airspace into london city airport for 15 minutes so this display could go ahead so um, that shows you samsung's commitment to making it happen Uh, and there were reports of um kind of extraterrestrial visitors in the london area that evening because they did a spectacular (laughs) ufo looking uh installation with the drones and it I think it made some of the tabloid newspapers in the following days. Yeah, I saw on um, Twitter, I think it was, uh, that they, or maybe maybe MeWe, Ted. Um, it was, they, I, I posted all these pictures on MeWe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, they did something, have been changing some of the tube station names and signs to fit in with their, their line oh, of Oh, yes, things, yeah. there's that as well, yeah. The circle, the circle yeah, line. That's, 
<laughs> that yeah, that really right. is worth. It's the last week of it this week, and anyone who is in London, you know, go to uh, you know King's Cross or somewhere like that. The imagery is fantastic. I love it. I you know those those old um, HC Beck uh, kind of uh, visualizations of the underground done in a circular fashion. I think there's quite a lot of Google money gone into that advertising as well, though, with the circle to search. But we'll probably come on to that. Well, what what is your opinion of the S24 series? And it's it's very iterative, but. The, the confusing thing is that Samsung put most of their keynote and launch time into talking up the AI, which then appeared about one day later on the Google Pixels. Am I missing something here? No, I think I, there was a certain irony of it appearing on the Pixels. I, I think that obviously Samsung can take that story to a wider audience. I think from a hardware perspective, I, I'd agree with you and Ted that I think you know yeah. there's a certain view that hardware is starting to plateau. Um, so they've got to find something else to talk about. Um yeah, the AI stuff is, is, as I say, going to get to a wider audience with Samsung. Um, I think, yeah, it's, but it, it's all stuff largely that we have seen on Pixel before. Um, circle to search is really intriguing. You know, again, for the kind of, you know, devotee technology enthusiast, you will have been able to use Google <laughs> Lens forever. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you could argue, well, what's different? But there is something quite, um, you know, easy and straightforward. And I think if it could could get kind of committed to your muscle memory, just to put a swipe around something, it works extremely well. But, you know, let's not forget, this is great news for Google. If it does anything to uh, increase the number of searches that people are doing, um, that's more information for them, more targeted advertising for the customer. Um, So it's an interesting, uh, uh, interesting development. I presume manufacturers would have to pay some sort of license fee to Google to put the, the the circle to search and even access to Google's search engine in this way in their handsets? I don't think so. I think actually Google will mandate that they do put it in because you know I, I think yeah the search stuff is some of the framework of when you take the the Android license you have to do it because of course it's all okay. good for Google. So yeah. I think you're going to see circle to search appearing on a lot of Android flagship for devices going forward. It'll be interesting to see at MWC whether there's any other flagships that emerge with the circle to search capability on them yeah of course if you get a search results back from circle to search at the top of those search results will be sponsored adverts and things that google makes money from i guess that's their, <laughs> their way in absolutely and just learning about you as a customer being able to focus the advertising <laughs> right at you yeah the big hardware thing that's interesting to me on the galaxy s24 series yes at the ultra in particular is the fact they've gone down from a 10 times optical zoom to a five times, but higher megapixels, they can do some smart cropping on the sensor. I think this is a great idea. And in terms of, I've, I've said for years, um, pe- real world examples of taking photographs, friends, family, holidays, you're using two times, three times zoom sometimes, maybe even five times. You almost never go beyond five times with everyday photographs. So why you have to have a 10 times that's only for use in demonstrating that you can take photographs of a sign a quarter of a mile away. I think this five times solution seems far more practical. Well, we've had this discussion before on this podcast because you know I'm a big <laughs> fan. I'm a big fan of the ten times zoom, and um, yeah, I just use it a lot. I like to see things that are in the distance. I've used it a lot at music festivals and those sorts of things. And we we had a philosophical debate about whether that is what I should be doing at music festivals or not. Previously, um, <laughs> I am I, I'm very intrigued to get your professional opinion on this, Steve. When you I don't know whether you've managed to get an S24 Ultra yet or not, but that side by side between the S23 Ultra and S24 Ultra to the critical eye of the five times optical zoom with that 
um, you know, 50 megapixel sensor and, and then, you know, the, the, the pixel binning and how that stacks up against the 10 times optical zoom. I have not um, drawn any major conclusions on that yet, but I've seen people saying it holds its own. So, and I think when you get into that kind of 10 times zoom, you're going to have some, you know, uh, degradation in the in, in the quality of the uh, the image anyway. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think from what I've seen so far, they, it is pretty much of a muchness, which is good, really, because then you get far higher quality at five times, six times, seven times zoom. And I've been really impressed looking at some of the photo samples that Samsung has dialed back its edge enhancements and sharp sharpening. The things I've been complaining about for years, you still get a bit of Samsung, you know, vivid colours, but Absolutely. It, look, it looks like the images are actually a slightly more natural and they're not as exaggerated which i think is a good thing yeah and an an endorsement of what you were saying about the rationale behind it samsung's own research indicates that most people take somewhere between you know two three times zoom you know pictures the 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 10 times zoom is is an outlier so yeah that's that's why they did it and as you say you've ended up with a better solution if that's the way you're using the camera there we are ben you're an outlier (laughs) (laughs) happy happy with that yeah ai everything's ai i'm getting slightly fed up with it now because it's just all over the place but it's just yep. it's just cleverer and cleverer algorithms we know what algorithms are crunching on more and more data we know what data is it's not some mystical invention that suddenly come about in 2024 um will it shake things up is it something and nothing ben i don't know i mean i think <laughs> it's clear we're seeing a lot of AI washing at the moment. You know, Mobile World Congress, MWC is going to yeah. be an absolute, you know, field day for this. Everything's AI now. Uh, and you're right. It's been around for a long time. You know, let's not be under any illusion here. You know, all of that computational photography that we've been seeing for years and years, use some kind of algorithms, you know, the way in which user yeah. interfaces work, some of the security, all these things are doing that. Um, I think the challenge for the phone makers is going to be to get off this kind of ai thing and actually just talk about the benefits more because i think people are going to tire of ai and, and in some cases yeah. it's quite negative i've seen research that you know consumers immediately jump to the kind of you know the matrix or the terminator and you know end of humanity and ai is not a good thing um which is you know pretty ridiculous but the the i i think it's going to be more about experiences and and you know i'm, I'm very keen to see how that's articulated and it's interesting that apple have shied away from talking about ai too explicitly although on the recent earnings call tim cook did talk about it um but i think apple will take a slightly different approach in the way that they communicate it and it will be more about what it can deliver than just hey it's ai yeah yeah ted are you are you all ai'd out you've You've been using google assistant for years and you've now got microsoft copilot on your windows machine but ai presumably is just a marketing thing that you're getting a bit fed up with yeah yeah to me it's just like a a me the media buzz at the moment and i completely agree with ben um that this will probably it's just renaming everything and then because they've renamed it it's hit the headlines and i mean i yes i we we've been using ai for years it's just that they've wrapped it up into a kind of buzzword kind of thing and everyone's on it including governments and and government departments and the whole world has just kind of said we need to be a part of this. And uh, from all sorts of corners of the globe, everyone's worried about it, um, excited about it. Um, it you know, it, it, all sorts of kind of approaches to what this can mean and what it's about. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, take, for example, Amazon. You know, Amazon, just this last month, have suddenly put AI tools in the user experience for people looking for to buy stuff. So you can ask real world questions. Well, Google have been doing that for years in yeah. the in the search facilities. And as you said earlier, with the the the, the algorithms in um, the, the the search tools in visually. Um, so a, a bit of a long answer. But I think, uh, yes, I agree with <laughs> what I, I agree with what Ben said. On the phone, I do think there are slightly limited applications for AI beyond what we currently got and what Google's currently got. But there are outside, if you look at the desktop and the wider web, there are some quite exciting things. And just to mention a shout out, Ted, for you putting me on to think is it Bing Creative Designer? Because it's a great way of generating image. Bing Bing Image Creator, it's called. Okay, yeah, because you can maybe put a link in the show notes if you can. It's really useful in that you can generate royalty-free artwork with things like blog posts, in my, mine and Ted's case, um, and you can say most outrageous things, and an image gets created from thin air that's surprisingly good. Now, this is not anything to do with phones, but it just shows that AI does have its place across the tech world, and that will only grow and grow, just not particularly in smartphones necessarily. But those services have been available before. It's just that they've been private companies um, doing it and selling their services out to businesses mainly. Is that that technology is not new to be able to do okay. that? It's it's been there for ages. It's just that Microsoft have got hold of it, and so um, Google are copying it. Apple, I read this week, are now copying it, and everyone's onto it because um, it's all part of this AI wrapper. Um, and uh, as we said just now, it's been around for ages in different formats, but everyone's making it the buzz of the moment. Yeah, it's also not infallible. I tried to put uh, some search uh, creation term in involving Mr. Ted Salmon, and I got things with fish as, as a result. So yeah. clearly, the <laughs> lack of understanding there. Uh, so, Ben, where is your primary sim right now? Do you have a secondary sim, and what are they in? I've got so many sims, Steve. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my primary sim, if you rang me today, would be in a Google Pixel 8 Pro. Uh-huh. But I'm running that alongside the Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. It's a bit of a battle of the AI phones in my mind. Um, I'm still – I always have an iPhone knocking about because it's quite a good benchmark. I like that. Um, but I've been very impressed with the clean Android experience on the Pixel 8 Pro um and i think that you know that's surprised me in some respects it's been really really nice to use that and it's nice to see how the features get updated very very quickly um i've also um been lucky enough to be one of the privileged few to be using the honor magic v2 foldable in the uk since christmas and uh, used it for all of my christmas photography when i was down in cornwall um you can see some of the pictures you're welcome to include yeah, those in yeah. the show notes and uh, the phone to be quite frank, it's a bit of an engineering marvel with the, the quality of the hinge, the thinness, the uh, the battery technology. Um, it really is quite something. The software's not as appealing, um, but I, I really do like it. And when it's closed, it's thinner than the uh, than the iPhone uh, 15 Pro Max. But uh, when you open it up, it's it's razor thin. So it really is is quite a product. Yeah, 4.8 millimeters, which is exactly the same as the opened up folding phone in my hands right now, hey! which is a 2020 <laughs> Surface Duo. So three and a half years before the Onyx Monomagic V2, I had a 4.8 millimeter thinner phone, which is actually yours, Ben. Just by the way, yeah, uh, thank I, you for the loan. I grabbed the Surface before the call and put them side by side, and I couldn't <laughs> believe. I was like, no way. 
Yeah. And uh, you're absolutely bang on. It's 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 astonishing. But yeah, foldables is interesting. I think the um, the nice thing about the Honor Magic uh, V2 is the fact that it's not like the kind of um, Samsung folding device or the Samsung Fold Z Fold, which is more like that kind of TV remote control, long and thin yeah. uh, kind of style. It's more like a normal in inverted commas kind of smartphone. It's not as thick either. So you've got basically a normal phone you'd be used to, but then all of the utility of being able to open it and have that yeah. kind of mini um, tablet uh, feel to it. And so I've been super impressed. Other products out there, um, the uh, the OnePlus Open is a very, very intriguing product as well. I've not I've played with it, but not had a, a, a long period of time with it. And uh, that, But that was a phone that caught my eye as well. How are you feeling in terms of, and I know this is a subject we keep coming back to, the, the durability and the long-term viability of these devices? I hang out on Reddit in the Surface Duo and the Pixel Fold and the OnePlus Open forums, and I wouldn't say there's a litany of people with issues, but there's certainly a steady stream of people whose folding screen phones have broken in some way and they're having to be sent back to be serviced by the relevant company. It's so hard to tell. There's no question that the build quality and the resilience and robustness of the latest crop of products is is excellent. I mean, the um, the Samsung products in particular, yeah. um, I know that Ted's been using the Z Flip 5, I think, without any kind of protection around it, no case or anything. And I think that's testament to, you know, the fact that there's a certain level of confidence in the device. But even with all of these tests, you know, every time someone launches a new foldable, it was 200,000 folds and it was 400,000 then it was a million. I just don't think we know until, you know, time goes by and these get used in real world scenarios. And it's one of the challenges with the products because it means that their trading value is marginalized a little bit. You're not going to get as much for a two year old folding phone as you will for an iPhone that costs the same price at the same time. Um, and I think it does make customers a little bit nervous, but I don't have a definitive answer for you. Needless, uh, other than to say, I think as we go through each iteration and each generation of these devices, they are getting better. Yes, yeah, see, as the physicist in, inside me says that folding phones, folding glass should not work. It's like a bumblebee mm. shouldn't fly, and yet clearly these phones do fold and they do somewhat last. So clearly, I'm wrong to a degree, but my my gut feel still says I'm not prepared to invest huge amounts of my own money in something that will have a, a likelihood of the grass, glass fracturing at some point within the first two years. I think that's my criteria. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Ted. I, I, I'm sorry, Steve. I agree with you because I think that um, I think that it is an issue. And I, and I think anything with a mechanical design is going to be less robust than something yeah. that doesn't have that. It's just it's just, you know, as you say, physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned something about you really like about foldables is taking selfies with the primary camera. How does that work, and which device well, have you played with this on? Ultimately, all of these devices, but particularly the Z Flip Five, Z Flip Five, um, with its uh, you know l- large display on the front, you can use the uh, external cameras, which are obviously the best imaging yeah. sensors, and you can get a picture of yourself while you're taking the picture. Uh, the same on the Honor Magic V2. I was doing this. It's a little more cumbersome. It's not as easy <laughs> to do it because you have to kind of hold it around the right, wrong way and stuff. But I've got completely hooked, having used those two devices back to back as my main phone, and then you know being with people over the Christmas period, for example, or even if you give your phone to someone else to get them to take a picture. There's nothing more annoying if someone chops your feet off or something like that 
um, you can then actually see what picture you're getting. Um, I've become hooked on that. And going back to um, the Pixel 8 Pro, where I'm just a normal phone, uh, obviously you can use the selfie camera, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed using the, you know, the best camera on the device. So I've been taken to taking selfies with the phone kind of blind and just holding it out in front of me and, and taking them with the best camera. But as you say, if you're taking a selfie with a, a Duo 2 or an, a tablet of any kind, like an iPad or, a, or in this case, the Honor Magic V2, held out in front of you, facing away from you, unfolded, this incredibly expensive, incredibly fragile device holding at arm's length, I appreciate you're getting great selfies, but the, there's a slight element of risk there that you wouldn't have with a, to using a selfie camera, I suggest. I'd urge you to be a little more reckless, Steve, and enjoy the best quality <laughs> selfies. <laughs> All right. Yeah. People don't want to see me, but I do enjoy the, the, the photo in the show notes of yourself and your good wife down in Cornwall. And yeah, we will put that, that That's in the show not notes. actually my wife. It's my sister-in-law. But oh, there she, we are. <laughs> she, she made me run from one side of Cornwall to the other. So that was a victory oh, wow. shot at the other side. There we are. We'll just to clarify your personal relationships there, but we will put... <laughs> Um, that shot in the show notes because it shows you were down in Cornwall, presumably um, visiting and checking up on the museum at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely, and a trip to a rugby match as well. That was a, a zoom-in shot taken on the uh, on the Honor device that you can see, which turned out rather well. Yeah. Albeit, probably the colours are probably a little bit too bright for you, Steve. Um, <laughs> a bit of a Chinese influence there. Let us rope Mr. Ted Salmon a bit more seriously here, because you wanted to, uh, Ben to just give an honourable mention to something which he's got a close cousin of. You, you mentioned here the TCL 14 Next Paper 5G. So do your intro and then Ted can see how he's found the sister device. Well, what a cracker of a phone. I mean, I, I we are very lucky in the world or the world I live in. I'm very lucky that I regularly get access to the, you know, the top of the range devices. But this one came across my desk and I just love it. I can't believe you can buy a phone for £168 today on Amazon, usually it's £189. Wow. And it, yeah, I put this phone into people's hands who have extremely knowledgeable about phones, pass it around a room or whatever and say, how much do you think this phone would cost? And they regularly tell me at least double that or more, 50 megapixel camera. But the thing about it is the screen. And uh, Ted, maybe you want to talk about that. It's got this kind of e-ink-like display, matte display, anti-reflective. I love it. Yeah, about a month ago or so, this is another Tim Evans link because it's his phone. He sent it over to me. And about a month ago on the show, I, I kind of did a, a bit of a dive on the the the, the device. Um, it, it, it turned out that he had the 4G version. And if you look at the differences between the 4G and the 5G version, they are markedly quite different um, and not the way that you would think the, the, <laughs> around. <1G. laughs> the, the 4G the 4G version, in some ways, is a more capable device. Anyway, um, the, the the screen is, I totally agree with you, Ben. It's gorgeous. It's really, really nice. It's like, it's almost like looking at a backlit colour um, Kindle device. And it's got that sheen on it that... that that it's not completely anti-reflective, but it's if you put it next to another phone that's an ordinary glass phone, you can see that the reflection is not anywhere. It's a diffused reflection, and it makes a difference outside in sunlight, which I which I took it out into. Um, you can see that it's it's actually really really impressive. Um, the, the just before I hand back to you, Ben, for your thoughts, like the. The, um, the, 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 the problem with the, um, next paper devices, the TCL 40s, is they're not, 
flagship enough that they're really low specification which is why they pitched it at 168 quid or you know under 200 quid um and what i was saying when i was talking about it before is i would love to see one of these if tcl brought out a, a, a 50 next paper um and made it 400 quid and and beefed up the specs inside it i would buy one without any shadow of a doubt i really really was impressed with the screen i just wanted it on a more capable phone back to you i agree i'm very interested to see where this technology goes i think that um tcl have been surprised by how successful it's been um i spoke to argos are selling it actually believe it or not and sainsbury's argos and they're they're having huge success with it i think that um everyone was really concerned it was a really tough thing to sell off the page on you know on a website or something because unless you actually see it it's really hard to understand what it's like but um it has resonated with people and uh yeah wouldn't it be fun if it actually did have um a, a bigger speck in it i'm seeing the tcl team um down in barcelona mwc i will uh, send your recommendations uh, to them ted and let's see what they say yeah yeah i i think they probably the company probably knows that and they 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 they're, they're dabbling with it to see what the reaction is and as you say if if the reaction so far is that good and i didn't know that till you just said it just then um then hopefully they'll take it forward and and make, they they've already made an 11 inch tablet next paper and apparently Indeed. that's selling really well um i haven't actually seen one of those but those who have and those who've reviewed it are all saying the same things really it's a, it's a, a it's a really interesting technology Yes, it's um, and it's and again, it's a great sales store. I was out over in Ireland a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, doing some mystery shopping there, and they were selling the next paper tablet, and it's a great product. They they mm-hmm. really love talking about it, and there's a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, easier on your eyes and those sorts of things. You know, good in 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 daylight, in sunlight. So yeah, yeah, yeah. very good, very yeah, well done TCL. Um, yeah. it's a, it's it's a good good piece of technology. <laughs> talking of easier on the eyes, going back to the Galaxy S twenty four range. Yeah, I think, is it all the range or just one of the range has got a, an anti-reflective screen, which people have been quite impressed by, Ben? Um, yes, I've read similar. I have to, the, the weather's been so miserable in the UK recently. <laughs> <laughs> haven't really been able to put it through its bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's not a phone. It's probably just worth briefly mentioning uh, the Apple's Vision Pro uh, headset. I imagine that you might well have tried one. I think you mentioned it last time you were on, but we've now seen all the reviews come out of people in real life any comments uh yeah i i uh, think i tried it just when we last spoke actually yeah. and i have to say um i was one of those unbelievably fortunate people to be one of the first who tried it in the middle of last year yeah um and it was super impressive obviously with it being a a u.s centric launch i haven't managed to get my hands on one yet i think even the bbc weren't even able to get a unit so that tells you something about the fact that um um you know apple yeah. are very much focused on the u.s I, I will say I've been enjoying the reviews, but I am tiring of all these people walking around the streets in them and all these pictures. <laughs> uh, I saw some idiot driving a car with one the other day, and not yeah. personally, but online. Um, but I, I think it is very impressive based on when I used it. Um, that's being reflected in the reviews. I don't know what reviews you've looked at. I very much enjoyed Joanna Stern's uh, review on the Wall Street Journal. She did a cracking video, which has been seen millions of times. Uh, links in the show notes hopefully marcus brownlee always good he's done several videos one of his deep dive ones was particularly good which goes beyond the basic you know this is what happens this is how it works which was great casey neistat who's another youtuber i really like um he did a bit of a wacky one where he walked around the streets of new york with it but i think 
he did very much come away with the view that was very much aligned with my view that you know this is a this is a super early product you know of course you can't walk around with ski goggles on your head but if you could get to a point where you could augment your life which is something i've talked about for years and have glasses that could just put bits of relevant information in your line of sight in the way that the vision pro does it so seamlessly i think that would be great but this years and years away but amazing piece of technology um but i I wouldn't be rushing out and spending three thousand pounds plus on one of these things um it but definitely try it if you manage to get hold of one this thing of putting information in your line of sight didn't we have this a decade ago didn't we have this with google glass i was completely blown away by google glass at the time and i've no idea why people caught never caught on people would quote privacy concerns but these days in 2024 we now take cameras everywhere just for granted so maybe glass was just ahead of its time in which case why the heck doesn't somebody bring back that kind of hardware and um, with slightly modern internals surely that form factor is where we need to get to with things like vision pro i think when you've tried vision pro you might see a little bit more where i'm coming from so i think google glass absolutely you know it, it will always be you know, one of the devices that was the DNA for kind of, you know, head-worn technology. But it was just so difficult to even see that little screen when it's just kind of floating in front of you in, you know, the hyper-resolution that Apple's offering. It just unlocks what that could be. And even with the latest waveguide technology in glasses from people like Vuzix and Xreal and others, we're still a long, long way from being able to deliver something that will be good enough. So you're right. The DNA lies in Google Glass. There were some interesting things done there, but the Vision Pro takes it to a, a different level in terms of the experience and opening your mind to what's possible. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you're loving our new bygone beauty slot. We'll come to this later in the show, but uh, I've just emailed you across, uh, Ben, some some text for the N86 8 gig, which we did um two weeks ago and the nexus 5 which we did last week and we've got another one coming up in a moment so we're going to start linking to your mobile film museum to the specific phone page each week which hopefully will benefit you and also benefit ourselves and, and you're a fan of the slot i think it's wonderful I, I couldn't believe it so i've been catching up on the podcast before coming on and uh, i really did uh, appreciate that you've decided to add this i think it'll be very popular with the listeners um thank you so much for you know quickly or immediately um answering my call for help and uh, uh, reworking some of the uh, N86 uh, 8 megapixel um, um, re- write-up and, and providing one for the Nexus 5 because, in fact, it was one of the gaps on the museum. So I think this slot dovetails very, very well with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I will yeah. be – it's another reason to tune in. Yeah, if you've got devices in your museum, Ben, for which you need a description, i.e. a proper, you know, four or five-paragraph narrative about, and story about the device – but you haven't got one to hand or you, you didn't get hands-on experience, then we can put it out to our MeWe membership. I'm sure for many of those devices, there'll be people who say, yes, okay, I'll write something. And you may get some text written for free and of good quality. That would be great. I mean, certainly I was looking, having started this conversation at the Nexus devices, and there's an awful lot of blank uh, fields yeah. for those. So that might be an interesting place to start. <laughs> of course, Ted and I have had all the Nexus devices going back to the uh, dot, but we'll try and get a few more people in as well. Maybe we can open this up in a big MeWe thread, Ted. Yes, indeed. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on with what you want to chat about, Ted. What have you been up to this week? If devices in, out, what you want to talk about? And I'm sure Ben will chip in as we go. Well, the, the Flip 5 would be uh, um, a topical one, I think, because uh, Ben's got one there as well. Um, and I 
kind of I, having got it back in my hand now i i really like the device in lots of ways the biggest problem i find is what um ben touched on earlier um and that is to do with casing it um now i did try as as you said earlier um ben to use it with no case on at all that the problem is that the case I bought with it initially, um, when you try to use the outside screen, the edges are in the way of your swipes on the edges of the of the screen, mm. and it was just really really annoying. So, I consequently I was trying to I was like right, I'll take it off. Now you can put an ex- extreme skin on it, um, and we've got a link up with the extreme skin boys that provide those. Um, for me, I don't find mainly the extreme skins to be grippy enough for me. So I'm looking for another solution. And I found one in one of the Samsung's own um, devices, which has just arrived half an hour before we recorded. It's <laughs> called the Samsung Clear Gadget Case. At the moment, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's on sale by um for by Amazon UK for 27 quid. It's supposed to be 39 quid. But it's got a, a, a ring on the back of it. Um, which you, you can or you don't have to use. Um, and they're supposed to be bringing some more gadgets to put on the back. But anyway, for the moment, it's got a ring, so you can put your finger through that. But the more important thing to me, Ben, is that on the front, it's one of the very, very few cases I've found that don't um, pussyfoot around by trying to protect the, the, the camera lenses. Yeah. All of these cases, they seem to go round the cameras and then dog leg down. Whereas this one, this genuine Samsung one, it just goes around the outside, that's it, and all of your screen swipes, since I've had this in the last half an hour or so, I can clearly see that it's it's just like using it with just a skin on. Um, so I'm very impressed with that, and I would recommend, if you're having the same problem, that you try and do something similar if you don't want to use it naked. Well, I have used that case, actually, because I was going to ask you. It took me a little while to figure out how to get that that ring thing onto the back of the case when I got it out of the box. It felt like an Ikea uh, instruction manual that came with it. I I couldn't quite figure it out. Once I'd done that, it was very good. But I did find it just took it from being that lovely little phone that fitted in your pocket and everything else to being rather bulky. And so... I'm rather recklessly continuing to throw caution to the wind and using it, what should we call it, naked. But uh, yeah. um, I, I now I've said that on a podcast, the chances are I'm going to drop it and there's going to be some <laughs> terrible mishap. I reckon what you can do, because I've been thinking about this in the last, as I said, well, the last hour now, I reckon that you could, if you want to, you could cut the whole mechanism away from the back of the device. And so that whole plastic assembly, if I pull the... The, the 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 side of the the cover off of yeah. the device. You, I'm sure you could just press that out or cut it out or do. I something. think you probably could. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I think. Just, yeah. If you, but I think you're right. I think it's great that you've got an original case, and I think you're certainly right about the utility on the front. You need to be able to interact yeah. with that screen, and it sounds like it's doing a great job for you. It is. I, I'm really impressed with the difference, and I just can't believe that Amazon is littered littered with cases, and yet. Not a single one of them that I could find um, doesn't have this um, nanny state going around the cameras island. <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, I've been enjoying having that back again. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I've been kind of finding out ways to mostly use it um, positively. Um, the flex mode I find to be really interesting. We did touch on that last week. And um, once you kind of turn that on in the 
Labs, which we discussed last week, you can get lots of applications running on the, the, the bottom screen when you fold it, which is really useful. You can even get a virtual mouse if you want to. I mean, some of it feels a bit gimmicky and a bit unnecessary. I mean, this is not a big tablet that when it's open, it's only a phone for goodness sake. But, um, in any case, it was, it, it's good fun and, using the uh, in the coming days i shall be testing it to see if i shall use it more now as i've got a case that that actually is working for me i thought you'd had enough of samsung for a while so within a week you're back <laughs> on them again well you know what i'm like when when the pixel update came through this week i was back on the pixel for 24 <laughs> hours <laughs> and so uh, 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 when i find something that is I, I forgive samsung for everything um for a little while and the, the, well, the, the, the trouble with me and Samsung is that I get bored with it really quickly. So I, I play with it, set it up, and all the bells and whistles, the one UI, the good lock, the whole, the whole thing. And then, and then once I've got it all set up and it's all working nicely, I just get bored with it and I head back to something else. Um, but then when the next Samsung co- device comes along, I'm back on it again. <laughs> but Dex is good fun. Um, I know that, uh, I know that Ben, you're, you're a fan of using Dex in, in one way or another. I do find that that draws me back as well. Um, I, I'm the ready for thing that comes with the, um, many of the, uh, Motorola devices is, is similar, but there are ways in which Dex still is ahead uh, ahead of the curve there. Yeah, I I had it. I dip in and out of Dex to be honest, because I'm so you know lucky with all the laptops and things I have that I don't really need to use it. But um, yeah. I got a pair of the TCL Nextwear um, smart glasses, Nextwear S smart glasses, which is it's a bit of a TCL theme this week. Oh, um, yeah. And they, EE in the UK have just started selling them. I think they're about 400 quid. So it's a lot of money. But I plugged those in and immediately into a Samsung phone, it recognized it as a kind of, oh, this is a external display device and kicked into DeX mode. And it was oh, quite wow. interesting having a kind of, you know, 128, 120-inch screen in front of me with the DeX interface and yeah. uh, kind of gave a whole new dimension to it. To be honest with you, I'm not sure that's the way I'd want to use it. But uh, the the glasses are quite interesting with regards to you know watching videos and things like that. Uh, it's it's something that we need to get our heads around, if you excuse the pun, um, <laughs> as as more of this kind of head worn technology starts to emerge. So uh, interesting little play with those. So it does sound, like, Ted, that um, it's probably out of your price range, but uh, certainly worth you <laughs> investigating the, the video reviews and so forth on this gadget. Yeah, yeah. It certainly sounds very interesting um, to see what it can do. Um, I, I, same as Ben, really. I, I dip in and out of decks and these kind of devices. I, there's no way I'm going to use that in real life. Um, I don't have the need for it, but it's just great fun to watch it and um, you know, watching a video, uh, you, you mentioned in the notes there, Ben, watching a, a, a film or a TV show with those on. Fair enough. My, the other thing, the other thing that comes to mind is about, um, vision correction and how these, all of these devices, including Google Glass, um, dealt with the fact that, that some of us have got prescription mm. lenses. It's a big challenge. I, I end up having to, if I re- my eyesight isn't that bad, but I, I can pop a contact lens in if I want to play around with these, really go for it. But it is it is a problem. And when I you know, have these glasses and give them to people, a lot of the people I know do wear glasses and it's not a not a sharp picture. Um, no. Apple have done a great job with that on the um, on the Vision Pro because you can get these very expensive, customized um, Carl Zeiss 
magnetic little lenses that drop into the device. Mm. Uh, and, and that was another reason why I just enjoyed using it so much when I did, because they corrected the the vision perfectly for me and I could just jump into that device without my glasses and, and have a really good experience. Yeah. That's what you want to be able to do. Yeah. And, and a lot of these experiences, um, you know, spend three and a half thousand pounds on a device. You'd expect to be able to do that, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Well, you, you if, probably have the money to spend the extra, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, $300 okay. to get the lenses. So yeah, exactly. no, absolutely though, Ted. But 400 quid, then you think, yeah. well, perhaps that's something that I'm going to have to live with and not be able to do. Mm. Um, anyway, the other thing that I've been doing this week has been playing with the... Oh, no, we're not allowed to mention service duo, are we? Now move on to you getting <laughs> naffed off with Motorola, Ted. Oh, OK, then. Um, Motorola Edge 30 Ultra this week, amazingly, got Android 14. And I really didn't right. expect it to be in February of, of the year. Last time on the flagship I had, it was all but a year later after Google released it. And But it came down, and I was really excited about that. Um, except that <laughs> they have removed peak display. Now, we know we did this on Ben's ThinkPhone, which is still here, um, and I was really naffed off about that then. But I didn't think that they were going to um, kind of – filter it down to the other existing devices. I thought it would be new devices going forward, but not the old ones. But no, it's gone. And they've replaced it with this lock screen, um, which has a bunch of options that the user can go in and um, choose which um, lock screen set up with clocks and whatever they want to do. But it's not selectable. You So you, you can kind of go through the motions of choosing it, but then there's no way of saving it. I'll link to a support post in the Motorola um, uh, support pages where everyone's really moaning about it. They, there was a statement from the company that said, the lock screen customization does not currently work. Well, we know that. We are looking into this and adding it into future software, a, a future software update. Unfortunately, we had to launch the Android 14 update with this feature fully baked in. We apologize for any issues, confusion this might cause. In other words, they... they the, the reason that they are citing about getting Android 14 out early, if you like, inverted commas, is saying, well, yeah, sorry, that bit doesn't work yet. but And yet you can still see it, um, but you can't select it. It's anyway, bizarre, bizarre. It's just more Motorola screw-ups, frankly, that I find. It's, it's a real shame. Some other users, incidentally, are reporting that NFC is broken too. But uh, in actual fact, I took it to Tesco and used it. It was, it was fine. Some of the other Android 14 stuff is working, like flash notifications, either with the, 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 the flash on the back or the, the screen lighting up. All that's working. And I tested thoroughly Ready 4 with all my devices, and it's working exactly the same as it did before so that's good they haven't screwed that up it's just this whole peak display thing which is a real shame i think because it was such a good feature okay um i have a feeling ted i know you wanted to chat about sony as well but i have a feeling that the next psc will be somewhat sony heavy because sony are sending across their xperia 5 mark yeah. 5 which has been quite exciting because mm. i will get a playtime a decent playtime and then so will you just a few comments i did have a briefing with sony a couple of days ago. It's a shame, really, that they're sending across this device uh, five months after launch. But, uh, but hey, I think we'll still get value from it. People do like our long-term reviews. And yeah, yeah. it was launched on Android 13. It's now on Android 14, so we'll be reviewing yeah. it in place with the new version of the OS. Just a few notes from the briefing. They did talk up DSEE quite a bit. 
So maybe we should try that more. They make bold quality claims. Do you remember DSEE? Yeah, the, D- the DSSE, um, if you turn it on um, and you're using um, Sony other equipment, you don't need it on, basically. Okay. It, it, the, the, the other, the, if you've got, say, a pair of XM4 headphones, the, the DSSE is, is pointless to put on because, it, because all of that technology is built into the other soft, uh, hardware. Um, but if you're using the, the, the phone with a you know crappy pair of cheap headphones then if you turn that on you can upscale some of the the content and, and it'll make it feel better but um to be honest i found that the difference wasn't that huge yeah as far as i understand it dse up samples existing music and and the, the chap on the briefing was saying yes and it re reinstitutes details that were lost in the original compression i think no that's not how compression works mate but i did agree that i would try it a bit more than i tried it on the previous experience so uh, have you much experience ben of um, sony headphones in recent years i haven't to be honest with you it's uh, somewhat passed me by but i hear good things yeah yeah um the existing limitations on these sony phones that i'd be found in the xperia one and mark five and previous devices so no stereo mic support still a 10 minute limit of music pro all of that uh. is still there but hey there are updates to come i think we'll have this review device for a couple of months at least the lossless two times zoom on the main camera is kind of a replacement for the 2.5 type zoom on the sony xperia 5 mark 4 which you've still got there i think but then yeah. there's a kind of a, a gap to the larger and much more expensive Xperia 1 range with the up to 5.2 times variable telephoto. So I think it kind of makes sense there. We can kind of see their logic now. I know the numbers are the wrong way around, but the 10 series at the budget end, 5 series in the middle, and then the 1 series at the top. And the prices to match this, and things are nicely spaced out now. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I, as always, I'll leave the photography stuff to you. Yeah, the video creator utility I was completely moaning about because he had jangly music all over my nice videos. Apparently, there is a custom edit facility that I hadn't spotted, so I will play with that and report back. Uh, no doubt in a handful of YouTube shorts coming your way very soon. Um, the uh, Interestingly, this is the the RRP for the Xperia 5 Mark V is £800, including VAT in the UK. I seem to remember, Ted, that the Mark IV was 900 so they... There's a yeah. manufacturer actually bringing the price down significantly yeah, yeah. year on year. They, they, they were trying to, to make it in the middle of the 10 and the 1, yeah. and, and it was actually stacked more towards the, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the top end. Um, but having said that, they've taken away a camera, and they've taken away the LED notification, and they've taken away the always-on display album art, and yes... <laughs> Bar humbug. <laughs> Still only three years of security updates. I did press them on this, and I said, well... You could always just add a few years of security updates on the end. You don't have to explicitly make a big song and dance about it. Just do it. And they said they'd think about it, but we shall see. Yeah, I think three, three years is not probably long <laughs> enough, I think, in 2024. We've, ben, we've got um, Google now promising, is it seven years on some devices? Samsung now says seven years on the S24 series. Apple, typically six or seven years. Fairphone, eight years. And here is Sony with premium handsets um, saying three years, which I think is good enough these days. No, I don't think so too. And I think I saw the the um, I think the CEO of OnePlus, if I remember correctly, was was talking this week about Ted will probably know that they was like comparing a phone to a mouldy sandwich or something, and the, <laughs> you know, the filling, the outside might look all right, but the filling goes off <laughs> if you leave it too long. And I thought that was a pretty poor excuse. Um, there is a move towards more software. It's got to be done. It's it's the right thing. These devices last longer. People are going more premium on devices. They expect 
the software to last. It, it, this is going to happen. What OnePlus was saying was that um, that that you're you're gonna your battery's gonna knacker and your software's gonna run out and blah blah blah. There's no point in offering a long long window of support like that because by the time you get there, all sorts of things will be going wrong anyway. That's what OnePlus was saying. Yeah. I don't think that's a fair answer. And the battery one felt weak because you can get a new battery put into devices. Yeah. That that yeah I I I. I yeah. Anyway, there we go. That debate will continue. <laughs> to be fair, Ben, that was Fairphone um, leveling I... that at OnePlus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yes. Fairphone with the with the replaceable batteries could, could afford to say so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's very true. Very true. I contend that there is a sweet spot. I agree that if you take a device and you say, "Okay, we're going to give it ten years of security updates in ten years' time," things and the applications will have grown and everything will have degraded in the hardware. And, okay, ten years is clearly ridiculous. But three years is too young. I think there's a sweet spot, Ben, somewhere around five or six years worth of support where a five-year-old phone can still be performing well, either in your hands or a, a relative's hands or a friend's hands. Going to six or seven seems to be it's nice, but it's kind of the extreme. I think four, four to five is about right. Yeah, I think that's the case. But I think you have to think about the long tail of phones now as well. You know, it's not necessarily that they're going to be in the UK. You know, we're now seeing with the circular economy movement Phones are appearing in other markets and uh, being able to keep them going yeah, for longer yeah. makes sense. So I- I'm all in favour of it. But I think you're right. Four or five years would be a step up from three. I don't think three is enough anymore. So, and that three is the, the security updates. That's, that's not the OS updates. So the, the Sony are only offering two OS, OS updates still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those devices across the world being passed around into other other countries, Ben. Of course, those devices are probably being used as that family or that person's main computer, which is all the more reason to keep them up to date with security for longer. So I think you're quite right there. Our new section of the show, 2024, Bygone Beauties. Ben's a big fan. I'm a fan. Ted's idea. So there we are. And Ted, it's your choice this week. What have you gone for? I've gone for something that I really enjoyed and felt so futuristic about in 2002 when I got my hands on it or thereabouts. The Sony Ericsson P800. Um, and I'll put a link to Ben's museum, which um, covers the device there with a, with a few paragraphs um, talking about what it is and what, what it, this is one of the, the Symbian UIQ devices. And it was the first one where I really felt as though I had arrived in the future. I, I can remember sitting in my car, um, using this device, surfing into, um, ordinary websites and, um, and using it to just, as if it was a computer and i was just so impressed with it it had a a, 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 fl- a keyboard flip mechanism which went over the screen with indentations afterwards to sort out um <laughs> a, t- a tiny little stylus which was this kind of see-through plastic but it was really flimsy and tiny but it did the job it was fine um and of course uiq is all um driven by um in in a different way to uh, s60 and made good use of the stylus it felt futuristic as i say and um yeah it was really nice i like the shape of it as well it was a pebble shape and it was this blue color this kind of sky blue color um perfect in the palm of the hand um and also i don't know if if, if either of you remember but you could get a dock and yeah, a stand I had it. with it yes yeah. did you yeah, yeah i think it came I, in the box actually did it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um I, I remember using that and i thought it was just great to sit this thing on there and it was charging and data and all the rest of it and also 
The last thing that I um, I liked about it really was the Marshall London style jog wheel on the side. So instead of having, you know, other up and down rockers and what have you, you had a scroll wheel. And I just really enjoyed that. It was really difficult to find a case for it, I remember, though. Um, but, yeah, a really, really nice phone, and I really enjoyed it. it. It just felt like I was touching the future with that in 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't really need a case because it was plastic and it was tough plastic, but he, of course yeah, yeah. he wants to keep it mint. There was so much in the boxes of these phones. I just you, you brought brought back a memory now. I I chucked out the um, my Sony Ericsson P eight hundred and P nine hundred boxes a couple of years ago. But when just look sorting through all the stuff you used to get in a box with a smartphone, I guess you paid five hundred pounds, a lot of money in those days. But you got so much in them. And again, we'll probably come to one of the Nokia N series phones from the different day. I think the Nokia N ninety three just had so much. The box was just packed with cables and adapters yeah. and gadgets. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so the Sony Ericsson P800, I love like the translucent colours like you. The stylus you mentioned was clip-on. Who needs a silo taking up space inside the phone? You just clip it onto the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Absolute that's right. I genius, that. yeah. genius. I like the way you could remove the flip keypad and go all in on sort of tablet mode or PDA mm. mode if you wanted. It took about yeah. three minutes to do. I think you needed a small screwdriver. But yeah, it was just, I would go to tablet mode, enjoy it like that for a couple of days, think, now yeah. I want my flip back and pop the flip yeah. back on. But it was options, <laughs> options, options. Anyway, the keypad was, as you say, totally passive. Um, as you, if you remove it, you can see the number keys just press down little dimples onto the touchscreen beneath it, which is just so clever. There's, there's no moving mechanical parts. You know, there's nothing, nothing electromechanical. It's literally a plastic thing pressing down onto a resistive touchscreen underneath. I just thought that was a really clever thing. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was rather disappointed that the P900, the follow-up, actually ditched that and had uh, electrical keys. But there we are. We digress. Yeah. UIQ was better than Series 60 of the era, I think. And UIQ3, which I, w- I went to the launch of in London, um, that was a step up again. But it never really got the support it needed within Sony Ericsson or Symbian. There were only a handful of devices running that. Ultimately, they all got lost. Um, ultimately, I guess a niche resistive touchscreen, stylus-driven device in an age that was about to be dominated by glass capacitive touchscreens so perhaps uh, slightly ahead of its time in some ways and slightly behind the cutting edge in others the software syncing was always a bit flaky but this is similar to most uh, phones of the era um pre-google contacts pre-google gmail you had to just jump through hoops to sync anything or clone your contacts or use sync ml or use text or tab delimited files i mean but now since about 2006, 2007, you just sign into Gmail, you're done, and ditto shortly afterwards on Microsoft, Apple accounts. You just sign into your chosen ecosystem, and everything is just there, really. And a small yeah. nod here related to the Palm OS world, where you had contact syncing to a desktop client and a cradle that the PDA sat in since day one in the late 1990s. So it wasn't a totally new idea to sync, but uh, yeah, Google and the, the cloud syncing just did things so much better, and this P800... And the Symbian devices of the era were just slightly fiddly in terms of get, keeping all your data synchronised between your different devices. I agree. It was a great day when Google took over my PIM. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned before, a long, long time ago, I was in a little home dad rock band, and I remember the guy at the bass player coming in excitedly saying, Google's launched something called Gmail. You have to try it, Steve. And that was more or less day one, and I've been a Gmail user ever since and he was quite right google, google um, gmail is just absolutely brilliant on and i use it of course on, on my iphone even so 
Even on my Apple devices, the Google synchronization between calendar and contacts and email, it's just all handled by the big G. Ben, are you, uh, which, which ecosystem are you mainly in in terms of your data? Google, Apple, Microsoft? I'm Microsoft, and uh, but I guess it's because I use that a lot for work. And it, okay. it's interesting yeah. listening to your comments on you know, recent recent podcasts about the um, you know, TED dabbling with Exchange and those sorts of things and with, um, with Outlook. Um, it's just what I'm familiar with, so I use that. But on the, um, on the P800, very, very enduring design. Um, people who had them absolutely loved them. And, of course, we went on to have the P900, P990, so it wasn't a one-hit wonder. Um, uh, but the P800, one notable thing on that, because I think you've covered it all, was um, you know, it was featured in the James Bond film, Die Another Day. So um, <laughs> it was one of those Sony, Sony Ericsson phones that made it on the big screen. Which was the, the James Bond film that had the uh, one of the Nokia communicators in? Uh, I think you might be confusing that with the Saint, which was uh, had the uh, Nokia nine thousand in it uh, uh, with Val okay. Kilmer. All right, I'm going to go and re- rewatch my James Bond films and try and sp- spot classic smartphones that I can put into bygone beauties. I think that's the way forward for my next week. Um, photo of the year winner, Ted. We've got a winner for us. Yeah, yeah, photo of the year winner, which we actually did talk about when it won the um july photo of the month competition so we don't need to go over that again um or we'll be in trouble but yeah congratulations to mark mochen with his shot little boat voted by the members of the miwi group as the photo of the year for 2023 which he took with the pixel 7 pro so well done to you as a as a cracking shot as as well they all all 12 of them and it was a hard choice for the people there. The photo of the week I've chosen, um, as we've already covered the little boat one before, is a photograph of... Um, I, I wanted to take this opportunity to point out the vast difference between posting family album cat dog pet pictures in the group as opposed to super artistic images like this one. Portraits often... Um, where the animal is the subject. I'm not getting at anyone in particular here, but there there is has been a move towards in the group people just doing that, using it as a pin board for stuff that should just be a family snap album and not artistic. So I was really pleased to see this one um, by Dave Rich, who was using an iPhone 13 Pro Max, which is a, a really super portrait of his um, presumably his dog. Um, And it's just sat there and it's been framed up. It's looking at the camera. It's very, very central. It's got one paw on a table or a chair in front of it. And it's just a super portrait. Um, Frank Neidhardt has uh, titled the photograph for Dave, um, Dackelblick, which I can't remember what it means now, but it means something about dogs. Um, (laughs) And yeah, just just it just makes a real good change. We, we, we're not anti-pet pictures, anti-dogs and cats, but just make them really artistic and well done like this has been. Um, any thoughts, Ben? Oh, it's a cracking shot. It looks like one of the ones that Apple use when they do all the promos of the pictures you can take with the phone when they launch them. Even the mm. reflection in the eyes. I love it. I love the way the paws on the table as well. Really good. <laughs> yeah, I thought at first Dackelblick might be a, a translation of the word Dachshund, but of course Dachshund itself is a German word. And I've just looked, I've cheated. I've looked it up on Google's AI <clears throat> um, and it means innocent look. So it's a dashing looking oh, pretty innocent. Yes, it's a lovely Very shot. Good. Yeah. Frank did explain um, what it meant. And I thought it was something different to that. But it's in the MeWe group. So go and have a look. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Well done to Mark Mocken for last year's photo of the year. 
and also to Dave Rich for that super portrait. Also on MeWe, our wonderful MeWe forums, is PSC Classifieds, and you've got a few picks for us, Ted, and a few sh- a few swaps. Yeah, the swap shop um, bit is, we don't often see these, but there was a couple this week. Someone wants to, well, they, they've got an iPhone 14 Pro Max, 512 gigabytes in purple, in excellent condition, um, and with some cash, is looking for a swap for a Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Um, Similarly, someone has got a Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra, 512 gigabytes in titanium silver, and is looking for a OnePlus 12, (laughs) ideally in green. So, yeah, um, don't be afraid to do some swaps and stuff in the group. It's not just about buying and selling, but I've got four other picks. The Samsung Galaxy S23 FE, 128 gigabyte, 8 GB version in cream, brand new in box, 370 quid, and there's a good reason for that. So check out the listing in the group if you want to know the details. Pixel 8 Pro, 128 gigabytes in bay blue, boxed, excellent condition, 575. Um, a Motorola G54, 256 gigabyte with the 8 gigabytes of RAM in indigo blue. That's a nice-looking phone. Sealed box, 160 quid. 160 quid. Uh, that's down in the uh, TCL territory, that is. iPhone 15 Pro Max, 512 gigabytes, 970 quid. Um, that's in white uh, titanium, 512 gigabytes, as I say, fully boxed and in pristine condition. So the usual question, Ben. Someone else's money, what do you fancy? That's a really tough one because it depends what you want. I, I've been that done. That's a, I usually just jump on this one when you ask me this. I don't know. Let's have a go with the Pixel 8 Pro because, uh, quite frankly, it's, 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 it's quite fun at the moment. There's lots of new features on it. It'd be a good one to, to dabble with. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd probably jump on that S23 FE, the Samsung, because I, I, I'm on a bit of a positive spin with these mid-range samsungs at the moment i I just recommended the a54 i think it is for a friend and she's she's going to buy that and and these these current 300 pound or so samsungs are the equal of the samsung flagships of two or three years ago and with a vastly less money and outlay so i'm just a big fan so i'll go for the samsung there Okay, oh, you've no no prizes for guessing what I'm going to go for. The Motorola G54. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, 160 quid. Um, you know, that's that's cheaper than the TCL phone we were talking about earlier. And that G54 is a really capable device. Okay, um, it's not flagship, flagship, but it's not far off, and that's been preferred by some people, to the um, the the Edge 40 Neo, for example, which is this year's kind of thing in that kind of price territory. Um, So that would be my pick. So anyway, there you go. PSC Classifiers Group is where all that happens. If you want to join in on that, then do send me an email, Ted Salmon, and we'll talk about that because we do control the membership in the group. Lovely. Thank you very much for moderating all our MeWe groups. They're great fun to be on. They're my primary social network, Ted. So thank you. Um, any last words from you? Uh, Podhub UK, usual one. Um, all those social networks, if you, uh, as you say, all our MeWe groups listed out from there, and also our audio podcast, uh, the whole bunch of those. Um, and if you get lost, it's all at tedsalmon.com. Jolly good. Thank you very much for coming on, Ben. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to the next time. You're such a busy chap. I hate to demand your time, but if, if you're happy to pop on every three or four months, then we're very happy to have you. Always happy to. Jolly good. If you can keep this show on the air again, uh, just think about uh, buying us a coffee or a beer. See the links in the show notes. It is much appreciated. 
And also, you know, if you like the podcast, recommend it to your friends, rate us on iTunes, all the other usual yada yada stuff. It all helps. A cherry goodbye from my two co-hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye. Show notes at steve.com. You've been listening to the Phone Show Chat.